more. On today's episode, we talk about a question we all wrestle with and want God to answer in our lowest and most difficult moments, the question of why. But how do you move forward in trust and in faith when that question is left unanswered? Let's talk about how to wrestle with why on today's Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Wade Joy, and this is a podcast to help you reset your rhythms and renew your dreams so you can dream the way a disciple does with open hands of surrender. And before we get into today's topic, I got a message from Susan on Instagram recently, and Susan wrote, love your podcast. Our worship pastor shared it with our worship staff team at our church, and I enjoyed it so much. Having been in worship ministry for over 20 years, it's so refreshing. I'm a leader for our high school girls and worship team, and I shared it with them as well. Thank you. Well, I love hearing that, Susan, as a retired worship pastor myself that is close to my heart. So thanks for sharing the podcast. And I'm grateful for everyone who subscribes and shares. It means the world to me. It means so much. And if you want to share what God is speaking to you, I would love to hear it. So please leave a review or send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. I might end up reading it on a future episode if you do. And so the topic of today's episode uh, was actually inspired by my time recently hanging out with a bunch of guys sitting around a bonfire. Uh, And actually the word bonfire is a bit dramatic because it took us a while to really get any kind of decent fire going strong, and it was more of a modest fire pit. So apparently none of us were Boy Scouts growing up, uh, but it was a great time with some guys from church talking about our relationship with the Lord about what God was doing in our lives and what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. And uh, it was a really encouraging time, like I said, but um, the guys were pretty vulnerable about a lot of the challenges that they were walking through. I tried to be vulnerable about some of the stuff that I was walking through and learning. And what I noticed is that one theme kept coming up in our discussion, and that was everyone trying to figure out why God was allowing us to either learn this lesson or walk through this circumstance or deal with this difficulty. And I'm actually recording this episode in the month of December. And while Christmas is meant to be a time of celebration, it can also be a time of frustration and disappointment as you reflect and you look back at the year and you realize that some of the things you hoped for and prayed for didn't happen. And some of the things you never wanted to happen, those actually did happen. And so while many people are headed into the new year wanting to move into it with more faith and expectation, if we're being honest, a lot of times we can also carry a lot of unanswered questions and pain as well. So while many people are rejoicing, you might feel like you're left mourning. And you see, the question of why wasn't limited to the 10 of us around that fire that night. Uh, All of us have wrestled with the question of why. And some of you listening are wrestling with it right now. And if you're not wrestling with why now, you will at some point in your life. You know, I have some friends who were just told that their unborn son has a life-limiting diagnosis and is not supposed to survive past birth. So they're asking why. Uh, I have someone very close to me who has served God faithfully in ministry for years 
and his current ministry assignment has ended very painfully. So he's asking why. And even though we have seen God do miracles in our children's lives, my wife and I still ask, why does our daughter have cystic fibrosis? Why does one of our daughters have hemiparesis and mild cerebral palsy? And now we're seeing our daughters actually old enough to start asking those questions for themselves as well. You know, why is an age-old question um, of the world all the way back to the book of Job, which essentially wrestles around the question or centers around the question, why do bad things happen to good people? And so this whole podcast is centered around surrendering your dreams to the Lord. So when doors get shut on your dream, you might ask God, why would you ever give me these desires and passions if I can't use them or I can't walk in them? And the question of why doesn't even just apply to bad things that happen. Sometimes it's the step of faith that you know God called you to take, but it's harder than you expected and you don't see the reason for it yet. You know, why did God call you to move across the country, but your kids are having such a hard time adjusting and making friends where you ended up? Uh, Why does God continue to ask you to reach out to the person at work that you know doesn't like you, you know they don't like your faith, but still you know God is asking you to love them and to serve them? We all wrestle with why. Why do bad things happen? Why are you calling me God to do this thing that doesn't make sense? Why is the common denominator among so many things in our life where we have unanswered questions? And so here's the question that I've been pondering ever since uh, the bonfire that night or the, uh, the, the fire pit that night, because I think we all have an expectation that we will get the answer to the question of why one day. And while sometimes we might get an answer, oftentimes we don't. And I actually don't think we're promised or guaranteed in Scripture to get an answer to every why that we have. And so it can feel like a pretty futile, you know, or meaningless search. And Proverbs 20, 24 kind of underscores this. Uh, The writer says, the Lord directs our steps. So why try to understand everything along the way? And I know Proverbs says, why try to understand why? Yet we still want to understand And here's what I came to encourage you with. While it may seem pointless and fruitless at times, it's actually an important and powerful part of our spiritual development to wrestle with why. See, there's an entire book of the Bible devoted to a man who wrestled with God. And in all 42 chapters of his story, this is the book of Job, Job never learns why he suffered. Job was somebody who had immense favor on his life, immense blessing, immense integrity. He was faithful to God. He lost it all. He went through tremendous, unimaginable suffering. And he, he wrestles with why. He has conversations with God, and he never learns why he suffered. He doesn't get told about the heavenly conversation that happened in the first two chapters of the book of Job, where Satan asked God to afflict Job to see if Job would curse God. Uh, Job doesn't see the boundaries that God set on what Satan could and couldn't do. And let me just say this, there's no way we could do a study of the book of Job on one podcast episode. But if you do want to know more, there are several great studies on Job, especially on Theoshu, which is an online platform where you can Uh, go through video courses to help you gain a greater understanding of God's Word. They have some excellent resources on Job. I highly recommend it. But 
on this episode, while we can't cover everything about the book of Job, we can see that the entire point of the book is what does it mean to wrestle with why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why is there suffering? Why do I feel like God seems distant and doesn't answer my prayers? And most of the book is comprised of Job's three friends giving very unhelpful and wrong advice. I think we've all been there. We've been on the receiving end of bad advice, and sometimes we have been the ones to give very bad and um, hurtful advice to people in our attempts to help. So you've got his three friends there not doing much good. Then you have another man that enters the scene later, Elihu, who comes with a better perspective. And then finally, you have God speaking directly to the matter in chapters 38 through 41 of Job. And after you know God comes on the scene, and we'll talk a little bit about what God says in a moment, Job speaks this statement in chapter 42, which is kind of the epilogue of the whole book. And I think what Job says here gives great clarity for what we're meant to get out of the message of the book and out of Job's wrestling with why. So Job 42 verses 1 through 6 says this, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. And verse 5 is the key verse right here where where Job said, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. This This is so pivotal and important. See, through his wrestling, Job may not have gotten to know why, but he did get to know God. He had heard about God, but now he had intimate knowledge of who God is. See, many people think the point of Job is that the Lord restored double of what Job had lost at the end of the book. But while that's an amazing thing, that's not the point of the book. The point is that Job grew in his understanding and knowledge of God through his suffering, through his unanswered why. Job grew in his revelation of God's love and power and character. And that can only come at that level through wrestling with the Lord and bringing our unanswered questions to Him. And so here's the question that keeps coming back to me uh, over the last several weeks. What if the wrestle is the why? What if the wrestle is the why? Or at least the only why we can definitely assign to the situation that we're walking through. So you might not understand exactly what is going on in the throne room of heaven. You might not understand why God allows certain things to happen to you or why God has asked you to do certain things. So what do you do in that uncertainty? Well, you start to realize that maybe the actual wrestling with and engaging with God might be the only why you ever get, but it's actually a powerful why. And that's what we're going to unpack for the rest of this episode. It's not the full why, But the wrestling can be a why that you choose to lean into and believe that God will use. Uh, But here's the thing. You don't get stronger if you run from the wrestle.
Now, I'm going to admit this on this podcast, but I have a very short-lived high school wrestling career. My whole high school time was basically me in search of a sport because um, there are some things I'm good at. Anything athletic is not one of those things. <laughs> um, I tried a lot of different sports, succeeded at none. Um I enjoy exercising, I enjoy working out, but I don't have the best hand-eye coordination. But the closest I ever came to finding a sport was wrestling. But I started late in high school, and so a lot of the guys were, were way past me. And I tried, I got excited, and I remember I lost my first match. And I don't know what this says about my character. Hopefully it's evolved since then. Hopefully I've grown and matured. But I quit very shortly after losing, you know, those first few rounds of wrestling, those, those matches. And a lot of people said, Hey, I had the body type for it. I had, um, the strength for it. I had, it was the right size. And I could have been good if I had just stuck with wrestling, but I ran from wrestling and I never found, uh, I never found out what my potential was, what my strength could have been. I never found out what was actually available to me if I had trained, if I engaged, and if I had actually committed to wrestling. And I missed out on a lot of the growth that I could have experienced because I ran from the wrestle. And I'm obviously trying to make a point here about our discussion, but we don't grow and we don't get what God wants us to get and teach us even through our hard moments when we run from actually the hard questions. Um, hard moments actually bring about hard questions that have to be dealt with, even if we don't get the answers we want. And even if we don't get the answers at all, there's something that happens when we choose to engage with God and when we choose to wrestle with Him. So I want to give you, for the short time that we have left, three whys to hold on to when you wrestle. These are three whys to hold on to when you wrestle. And here's a caveat. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you don't grieve a hard situation. I'm not saying that everything is fine because of what I'm about to tell you. Your pain is real. Your questions are real. What you have lost is real. None of this diminishes that. But what I want you to hear is that in your deepest why, the love of God is real. God's presence is real. And the opportunity to know Him is real. So be encouraged. And here's three whys to hold on to when you wrestle. Three whys to hold on to when you wrestle. Number one, the wrestle reveals the personal nature of God. The wrestle reveals the personal nature of God because you can't wrestle someone from a distance. It actually requires closeness. It requires proximity. It means holding on and not letting go. You don't win a match when you let go and when you run. You have to hold on. And so in faith, that looks like wrestling in prayer. It looks like holding on to the Word of God and wrestling your feelings to come into alignment with the truth of what God says. It means experiencing the personal love of God uh, as you open your heart and become transparent with trusted believers, it means actually opening up the messiness of your heart in relationship with others, inviting them into the wrestle. We see that God is personal through our personal relationships with other people of faith. 
So it's in prayer, it's in God's word, it's in fellowship with other believers that you realize the truth of James 4.8, where it says, come near to God and he will come near to you. So in the wrestle, you realize that God is near, his love is near, uh, he sees you, that God is always close and holding on to us, and he's wanting us to trust his presence and love and hold on to him. It's not a question of if God is holding on to us. It's who are we holding on to? And I love what Hebrews 4 says in verses 14 through 16, where it says, Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So in your time of need, in your why, in your wrestle, you can approach God's throne of grace with confidence and you can hold firmly to the faith that we profess because you're not wrestling with an idea. You're not wrestling with a theory. You are wrestling with a loving and personal God. All right, that leads us to number two, which is the wrestle reminds us of God's power. The wrestle reminds us of God's power. Now, going back to Job, when the Lord starts to speak in Job 38, after you know Job was listening to the advice of his friends and Job was bringing some of his thoughts, um, God begins not by answering questions, but instead, God asks questions. Questions like this in Job 38, verses 4 through 7. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring, a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? So God is asking Job in so many ways, like, you know, where were you when I created the earth, when I set um, the parameters of all of creation? And, and there's so many different ways that God asks questions that illuminate his vastness and his majesty. And so this is why Job says uh, in chapters 42 through 3, or chapter 42, verse 3 that we read earlier, where Job says, you asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. When we encounter the messiness of our situation, we also have a chance to encounter the mystery and the majesty of God, because our finiteness invites us to see His infiniteness. Our limitation reveals that God is limitless. Our weakness puts his power on display. See, Paul realized this when he was wrestling in prayer with God about the thorn in his side. So if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul starts telling the church that 14 years ago, and he talks about it like it's someone else, but it becomes very clear that it's him talking about himself, how 14 years ago he had an encounter with God where he was called up into the third heaven. He was called up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, had this amazing revelation of God. He said things that no one is permitted to tell. So he had a vision of God's glory. Plus he had seen the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus. And so like Job, he had a new view 
of God's strength, but also a new understanding of his smallness and relationship to that strength, of his weakness. And so that's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, uh, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong." See, there's been endless speculation on what Paul's thorn was. Uh, many scholars think that it was some sort of recurring disease or physical affliction. Others think it's the opposition or suffering he endured for the gospel or the, his enemies, those who opposed him. And while we don't know what it was, we do know that God said no to taking it away. We know that, that Paul wrestled with God about this in prayer, asking why, asking for it to be removed three different times. But it was in his wrestling that Paul learned to rely on God's power. And Paul assigned a why to his wrestle. Uh, he learned to surrender to God's will. He learned to be content. He learned to humble himself, which leads us to the final why that we can talk about now, which is the wrestle results in a posture of surrender. Wrestling with God, wrestling with the why results in a posture of surrender. So once again, Job 42, verses 5 through 6, where Job says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. See, Job's revelation of God and all of his questions and all of his weakness and all of his whys brought him to a place of repentance, which is the purest form of surrender. Because repentance is about changing directions. See, even though Job never cursed God, he had made a case for his own righteousness and what he did or he didn't deserve. But in light of the revelation he received of God, he realized how everything he had was a result of God's grace to begin with. It wasn't a result of his righteousness. And so when you come to God in repentance and in surrender, it's not only turning from sin, although that's a part of it, but it's trusting that all your efforts and all my efforts to define good apart from what God has defined and said is good, that our efforts have failed and we're choosing to trust God's definition of good. Let me just repeat that because I want to make sure you get it. It's trusting that all my own efforts to define good apart from God have failed and I'm choosing to trust God's definition of good. I'm choosing to trust God over trusting myself, over trusting what I can see. See, surrender is believing what Romans 8, 28 says, that we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's believing in the good um, that God will work out, even when we see no evidence of that good with our own eyes. Here's what it's not saying, though. It's not saying that your pain is good. It's not saying what happened to you is good. Because God is grieved by the suffering of his children. He is grieved by the suffering of the world. But it is believing that God can take the most broken pieces of this world and the most broken pieces of your world and make something good out of what the enemy has attempted to destroy. And so we have the ultimate model of this kind of faith 
uh, in God's goodness in Jesus. We see Jesus, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God, wrestle with the will of his Father, and we see Jesus trust his Father's plan to work the cross for good. We see this in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke 22, verses 39 through 44, where it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, don't miss this mystery. The divinity of Jesus doesn't cancel out the humanity of Jesus. That is the mystery of the incarnation. He's fully divine and fully man. And so here we find the Son of God anguished and wrestling. Jesus, in the wrestling, though, is strengthened within that, and he submits his will to the Father. See, the wrestle with why is ultimately a wrestle of our will, surrendering our will and complete trust before God. And so Hebrews 5, 7, 8 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. So Jesus is offering up these prayers and these petitions to his Father. He submits to God, yet he still trusts and walks in obedience through suffering. And he is our model as his followers. Um, so if Jesus learned obedience and trust, how much more is that the case for us when we suffer? See, so you come to the end of your own strength and you surrender when you wrestle someone stronger than you. And when you are wrestling with God, who is infinitely stronger and wiser and more loving, you eventually end up in a place of total vulnerability and surrender. And you have a choice. You can choose to keep fighting, or you can choose to trust. And when you trust, and when you're in that vulnerable place where you tap out of a wrestling match, you're in the most vulnerable position, and you are placing your safety in the other person's hands. And so when you surrender to God in your wrestle, you are saying, God, I place my safety, I place my life, I place my heart, I place my future in your hands because you are wise and you are good and you are loving. So the wrestle reveals the personal nature of God. It reminds us of God's power and it results in a posture of surrender. And let me just say this. We may never know why God allows certain things to happen or why he leads us to take specific steps of obedience. It may always remain a mystery, but we can find comfort in the truth that even in the unknown, he is close enough to hear the frustrated, confused, and angry whispers of our hearts, and he's big enough for all of that. He's not scared of that. And in that process, our hearts draw close enough to hear the still small whisper of his voice. And that voice may not tell us why things happened, but it will always remind us of the strength of the one who is walking with us through it. So you might not know why, but you are in a loving relationship in Christ with the one who does. And true faith comes to the place of trusting that that is enough. 
And I know that's not an easy thing to hear. I know it's not an easy thing to walk through. But that is something that the Holy Spirit is able to work out in our hearts as we wrestle and as we line our feelings up with the truth of God's Word. And as we move from just hearing about God to our eyes seeing God and realizing how close and how strong and how loving and how powerful He actually is. If you're in the middle of wrestling with why right now in your life, I want to invite you to pray this prayer of surrender to God today. And this is a prayer of St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, She lived in the 1500s in Spain, and she was an amazing woman of faith, uh, of contemplation, of prayer. But I have loved this prayer, and it has been very powerful for me in seasons of trial. And it's a simple prayer. It's this, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. What a beautiful prayer of faith. I'll put that prayer in the show notes so you can look at it and pray it this week. And I really hope this episode has encouraged you and comforted you uh, if you're in a season of why. And you know you might need to come back and listen to this later when you do encounter some questions that you need help processing with God. But you might know somebody who needs uh, to be comforted in their own wrestling with God right now. So if this podcast was helpful for you and you think can be helpful for them, please share it with them. Um, please text it to them right now. You could post about it on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, because I really think that this is something that we all wrestle with, we all struggle with, and you can help somebody and show them the love of God just by simply sharing a podcast sometimes. Uh, So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. And I wanted to say you can also get my free ebook, Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul at wadejoy.com. And it helps you have rhythms uh, in your life, in your prayer life, in your time with God that helps us wrestle with hard questions. And so we want to make sure that we have rhythms that accommodate that. So I've enjoyed uh, walking through God's Word with you today, even through a difficult topic. And I can't wait to see you back here next week on Dreamers and Disciples. Mm